Check out We Are Calvin football podcast in association with McAvoy's Super Value, Virginia. Real food, real people. Try Super Value's own range in store today. Quality products at one third the price of branded labels. McAvoy Super Value, Virginia. Supporting local. We are Cavan Podcast. Because Cavan's not just a place, it's a people. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the McAvoy's Super Value GEA podcast brought to you by We Are Cavan. On today's show, we're going to be looking back over the Hotel Kilmore Senior Championship quarterfinals, and we'll also be naming our proactive risk control team of the week. As always, I'm delighted to be joined by Paul Fitzpatrick, sports editor of the Anglo Celt. Um, and Paul, let me start off with a little bit of a humble brag. I got four out of four, you got three out of four. Yeah, oh yeah, fair that, enough. That's as humble a brag as I've ever done. <laughs> that's a, that's a no way humble. Yeah, <laughs> but look, we only differed on the one game. You you just about went for Cavan Gales and no more. You, yeah, and you're you're wavering a lot. Uh, and I, to be fair, I was wavering a bit too. But I, yeah. I I I was more confident in Rammer than you were in the Gales. I think, but you had you had reason to be confident in your selection because they won it by ten points. They did. They did. And and you know the funny thing was in in the heel of the hunt, I don't think that if those sides met again there'd be nine points or ten points between them because I think that it may have been a, a number of factors were going against Calvin Gales out in cross keys a number of factors went against Rammer in in Kingspan Breffney like I, I can't over overemphasize the five-day turnaround and the five weeks in a row with the same players being asked to do it in the championship week in week out, I, I think it was just too much for. Uh, Cavan Gales are a great Breffley Park team. Like the, the Gales come alive in Breffley, even though they've they lost a couple of games in Breffley last year, but they are more comfortable in, in Breffley Park. Uh, but I don't think we should take away from the Gales in any way. Like you go out having lost by nine points, and they were able to raise their game, and we saw that all over the field. Uh, key players were able to raise their game. Like Johnny Johnson didn't get kicked the ball in the first day. Came off the bench, scored four points. Grove McKernan poor the first day up and cross keys, turning the man of the match performance. They raised their game all over all over the field and you know, you can't argue with a ten point win. And that puts the Gales in pole position now to to go on. They've drawn Kingscourt in the semi final and haven't seen the odds. I will look, look that up now during the podcast, but the Gales are hardly out as yet. Oh, sorry, odds odds to win it. Odds to win it, yeah. Oh yeah, they probably would be. Well the Gales you'd imagine are, are going to be favourites, but um it's 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 it was kind of one of those signature wins, but signature wins don't win cups. You know, it it's something the Cavaliers are going to have to be very very careful of going into a semi final because now do I'm not sure what the odds were last week, but there there the possibility of underdogs against Ramor or it was a fifty fifty game. They're going to go in massive favourites against Kingscourt, and you know if they sleep on the job, they'll get caught by Kingscourt. So it's it's one of those ones that that. I again, I I'd, I'd be I'd be if I was Kieran Donnelly, I'd be definitely honing in on the fact that Kingscourt topped the group. Kingscourt are are unbeaten in this year's championship. Um, there's only two sides left that are unbeaten in Kingscourt. 
Sorry, there's three, is there? Casaran. Casaran yeah. are unbeaten, but only two teams have won all their games, and that's Casaran and Krushala yeah. in the senior championship. Yeah, but look. No, they drew. Or sorry, uh, Kingsford and, and, and Krushala. Yeah. 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 They're 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 the only two that's won all their games, but the, like realistically you have to ask the question where King's King's Court exposed in that game. We'll get on to that game. Just on the Gales and Rammer first. Um I think the Gales are getting stronger at the at the right time. You can see lads lads are starting to come back to full fitness and a lot was made of, of the players they brought on. Someone made the comment that the Gales were able to bring on three fellas who played senior football for Cavan, Shawnee Johnson, uh Niall Smith and Barry Fortune. Although Rammer brought on Damian Barkey and Jack Brady, who were championship winning captains and have played a lot of senior football for Cavan as well so from that point of view like you'd wonder you know where the get was the Gales panel that much stronger than the Rammer panel I don't think you could put it down to the strength of the panel Um, the big question I think is why have Rammer not kicked on since 2016 that's 17, 18, 19 and 20 Rammer have been back in one county final uh, but they, look when they won that championship in, in 2016 with about 10 or 11 under 21s on the team it looked like Rammer are here to stay now. Like Rammer are here to and possibly go on to dominate. And at that time, like we've been waiting every year for a new team to come along and dominate, and it hasn't happened since Rammer won it. Castrahan won. The Gales won it, and Castrahan have won too. And this year, you know, there's a chance Crushlaw might win it, but Gales and Castrahan there again. And Rammer just, I don't know what it is. Like I actually, I'll read you out their team. I look, I, I looked up their team earlier from the 2016 final replay. Right. And of the team, it's not like they've lost a huge amount of players. The team that played in that replay was Liam Brady, Michal Smart, Matthew McGee, James McEnroe. Okay, McEnroe's gone and he's a big loss. Mark McGee, Brian O'Connell, Owen Somerville, St- Stephen Monaghan, he's gone. Simon Cadden, Cahill Maguire, Connor Bradley, James Bradley. So James Bradley has been carrying an injury and Connor Bradley is gone. James Brady, Ado Cole and Kevin Mulvaney. Kevin Mulvaney is gone, but James and Ado are still the main strike force. Damien Barkey wasn't playing that day due to injury and Jack Brady only came on due to injury. Killian Maguire came on. Jack Doyle came on. So like, the, you know, the vast majority of that panel are still in place. Bradley's a big loss. McEnroe's a big loss. Uh, but the vast majority of that panel is still in place. So you'd wonder, you know, maybe we have to look back and say that that maybe that was a weak season or something like that. Because it doesn't make sense that Rammer haven't added to their collection now. Like if you had said at the evening of the county final replay in 2016, like it'll be 2021 at least before Rammer win another championship, I wouldn't have taken that bet. Not with that team they had and their age profile. It's it's sometimes sometimes those situations when you get success a little bit too easy, it can it can taint the way you approach the future, and and maybe maybe that was a dip, maybe. Maybe success did come a little bit too easy for that rammer, that young crop of players, and, mm. and they didn't have to earn it as much as, or didn't have to put in the longer years that that a lot of teams have to do. But then you you take it; it wasn't it wasn't any younger, and I, I'm going to sound like a Cavan Gale supporter here, but it wasn't any younger than the Cavan Gales team that won their first in 2001, wasn't it? You know, it 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 was of a similar ilk and a similar profile, and yet they went on to win so many that was what I expected or something maybe not as dominant but something where at least it'd be in finals every year or semi-finals every year and you'd be turning around saying oh well look at Rammer's close and they've won another one they'd win one every three or four years w- would have been my expectation at that yeah. stage but you see that Gales team was backed up by 
seven or eight minor championship winning teams in a row. Mm-hmm. Rammer have been very good underage, but not to that level. Like they don't just own the county at underage level and winning. Like there was years where the Gales won on the fourteen or sixteen and and minor division one titles. That's right. Yeah. Like you know they'd have been doing something wrong. Their their underage structure was so good that they would have had to be totally malfunctioning at senior level not to be in in finals every year. And like they did, they were they were they were in something like fifteen county finals in a row or fifteen yeah. out of sixteen, something like that. It's 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 interesting, but look, the Gales are back. Um, maybe they didn't go away, <laughs> but the Gales are back. But Is that uh, hurt? <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. It Tell doesn't the hurt. Truth, you're a closet Gales supporter, as Mickey Brennan says. Yeah, no, I've absolutely no problem with the Gales. I, I, I'm totally impartial. And, I'm not and, a member and, of any and yet club. I'm going to twist it on its head. One, what is it? What's the what's the board that one swallow doesn't make a summer? Is that it? Yeah, you know they're they're still not. Oh, the Gales the Gales still have a good bit of work to do to win the championship, but I I didn't feel it win it because I felt that there was a big decline in the Gales in recent years and that it hadn't been identified. Like looking at it, you know, to keep coming back over this, but this is where I, my thinking was coming from that that people were sort of ignoring what was in front of them over a sustained period of four or five years. You saw the Gales struggling to get through quarterfinals, struggling to get out of the group at times. Uh, taking heavy defeats from the other teams in it. That was totally underpinned when they lost to Rammer in the group. Yeah. And then when the, you know, after that defeat, I thought there's no way the Gales will win this championship because they're going to have to go through three big teams. But the thing is, Kingscourt possibly are not the big team we thought they were. I think possibly the draw might have flattered Kingscourt a little bit uh, the way it has play, played out for them. And Now, Mullahorn played above themselves or above what they had shown and Kingscourt... Uh, that was the first big test, so maybe it took them a while to get the grips with it. Certainly, they were caught cold in the first half. So Kingsford will come on for that with the mm. three weeks, but an awful lot's going to depend on Joe Dillon's injury. Yeah, a, a huge amount. I think. I think from a Calvin Gale's point of view, though, they they that was the first time that you seen a team lined out that you'd say, okay, yeah, that's that is their best way of lining out. You know, obviously, you know, Shani Johnson would would probably come into that team there. Um, Barry Fortune, whether he'll come in there, he, 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 there's still a role for a player of Barry Fortune's um, capability. You know, I, I presume it was injury that that hampered him in the earlier stages, and now the backline are playing so well, it's hard from to, to dislodge any of those boys. But I think on a particular day, you want the man marking job done. Barry Fortune is still one of the best you can go to to do it. Mm. So you know, but. Uh, other than that, I still think that the team is was very well settled. Garod McKiernan on the forty gave him, I think, more freedom to to not have to worry about the defensive end of the game. And we've seen a, a brilliant attacking display by him, and even some phenomenal marks in the middle of the field. You know, coming out for kickouts. So I thought the Gales had, had that well. I thought putting Luke Malloy out to a wing half forward was actually a very good decision because. In the middle of the field, I don't know has he the confidence or does he does he exert himself the same way as a as a Calvin Gales midfielder would usually. But as a wing half forward, he gives a different option. He's big enough to win kickouts. He's good on the ball. He's got a good engine on him, you know. So I think that was a, a good use of of where to play him. And I thought Paul O'Connor going to the inside line brought something different because usually what we see from an inside line in Calvin Gales are the Shawnee Johnsons, the Martin Duns who get a ball torn shoot. That's that's their their first instinct. They're they're in there to do it. 
but it becomes almost too predictable. And when we've seen Keenan Donahue in there, he's a similar type player. Jack Tully is possibly a similar type player. But by putting Paul O'Connor into that full forward line, you've got a team player in there. You've got somebody who literally will just gather ball. First instinct is, what's the best option around me? If it's a runner off the shoulder, they're definitely going to get it. If he has to take on his man, he's going to take on his man. But I think Paul O'Connor going into that forward line was a, was a masterstroke by Kieran Donnelly. Yeah, and he had been playing well, so it was probably a risk moving him. You know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. O'Connor had been doing well on the 40. Mm-hmm. But yeah, again, it wasn't at the game Friday night, but it sounds like O'Connor was excellent. One thing I said last week was that it was going to be crucial to Rammer that they don't let the Gales get early goals. And they came straight out at the start of the second half and the ball was in the net within 30 seconds. And, you know, that is just... I know that's obviously... It goes without saying that's not a good thing to happen to any team. But for, against Cavan Gales, we've seen it time and time again. The Gales thrive on goals. And the Gales got their dander up then and there was going to be no stopping them. And, you know, they were able to get goals. They've got players like like uh, Dunn and O'Connor, players who can get you get your goals. Grove McKernan's a good man to get your goals as well. He scored lots of goals for Cavan as well, mm. uh, galloping through the middle. So they've an awful lot going for them. And in terms of McKernan, that, that is going to do him the world of good because I think he's a player that has struggled with his confidence a bit considering how good a player he is. Um, you know, he, he, he hasn't always been that alpha midfielder for Cavan that you'd expect him to be for his ability. Uh, in big games, sometimes big games have passed him by. But that was a huge test of him going into a quarterfinal hadn't hit the heights that he's capable of in the group stage and from the turn in a sensational performance like that it's absolutely huge so uh, he'd be absolutely buzzing now going into the into the semi-final yeah and, and you know what the, the beauty of that performance for me of, of Garoud was that there was pressure on there was questions being asked I, I don't know about you but I was having a lot of people saying that you know well, well Garoud hasn't done it for the Gales why did he move and that's why I brought up the point last week on the podcast that you know it, 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 it there was pressure on him, and actually, what I loved about that with me Cavan had on is that I I I'd imagine he was feeling that pressure, and the reply was right. Look at me, look what I can do, and I like that. I think we need that from Gerald McKiernan because when he decides to go out and and just you know forget about what anybody else thinks of him and, and go go at it gung-ho. Like, he was aggressive. You could see Damien Barkey come on as a blood up early on. And I don't know what happened before it, but he was just wrestling Barkey and, and kind of almost ripping the jersey off him with just pure aggression, getting the next ball, going driving at the Rammer defence. Like, everything about him, you know, kind of shouted leadership, shouted you know, give me the ball, I'm the man here. And that's what I'd like to see Grode in yeah. a Cavan jersey. So maybe this might help him going forward because the pressure was definitely on him, but he answered all of the questions. Like well, like, some display. It seemed like he was in a rut with, with Swan and Barr and there seemed to be a breakdown of the relationship there from what I can gather. So like looking at it from a Cavan point of view, you know, if, if Cavan gets going to a championship and Grode McCarran could play a leading role in it, like what's that going to do for the man's confidence going in and wearing the Cavan jersey? You know, because there's absolutely there's no doubt in his ability to to dominate at it, no matter what level of football yeah. he plays. Yeah, without a doubt. Look, bringing it back briefly to Rammer, and 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 I kind of I'm conscious that that it may sound like we're very down on Rammer. I I do believe that Rammer have made progress over the last two years compared to their 2018 and even 2017 seasons. I I think that they're they're definitely ahead of those two seasons. I just, as I said on the Die Hards podcast, I do believe that 
they maybe mismanaged the clutter of five games coming together, and and I and I and that's why I pointed it out with the with the interview to Shane McInerney um, three weeks ago. The intermediate distraction may have just kind of given them this, uh, you know, that, that, that well, look, we don't want to use all of our players here in that final group stage game because we are, um, you know, we, we've got intermediate to look at as well. So I don't get me wrong. I think it's great to see a club like Rammer going and competing at intermediate level, but I just thought that their players look tired, physically tired, and I don't think that's true a lack of fitness because we've seen them flying fit in the earlier stages. So I'm, I, I, I kind of put a little bit just down to the fact that, that they they were tired on Friday night. Gales weren't, and I think that that was that was a big, big part in it. Yeah, I'd say I'd say you're right. Like the the intermediate thing is is a great idea, but as as things have gone on and the way it transpired, maybe it's easy to use that as an excuse. But it's possibly a distraction. You know, every time you have to go tug out, the management have to go to the intermediate game. That's all time that they could be using to focus on the senior team that they have to devote to the intermediate team. And I know it's a developmental competition. If they're in the junior championship, it might be different because they'd, they'd, they'd maybe rattle it or they'd, mm. they'd certainly probably go further in it. Going the intermediate, I don't know if there's any team in Cavan that has a second string that could that could go on to the knockout stages of the intermediate championship at the moment. Well, compared and, and contrast, Cavan Gales didn't even enter a reserve team this year. You know, yeah. so so going into the reserve division one championship, there's no Calvin Gales team. They go. they definitely have the numbers. There's thirty named on that panel and I, I understand that there's more than that training. So they they set out with the stall that our focus is to win this senior championship and, and senior championship alone and nothing is going to distract us from it. And they probably are they're probably are looking at it saying uh you know that there's only there's only uh, so many chances left. As I said this before, yeah. for, for the older players on the squad, and you, you're after getting McKernan. And I don't say this as a slight of the Gales, but the Cavan Gales have never won the championship without having players from other clubs come in. And like, I'm not saying that that's why they won championships, because the Gales walked a lot of championships, especially you know, 08, 09, around that time. They won a championship by 16 points. So it wasn't the players that came in that won it for them. But the Gales have a tradition. As the county town, they get fellas coming, working, and living in the area. Go right back to the 70s, uh, go right back to the 60s their first championship in 65 the Gales have always had players that have come in from other areas into their team so there's a tradition of it so Garold McKernan comes in he, he fits in like a like a hand into a glove because mm. it's not something new you know a lot of clubs to get a new player in might be a whole, whole big novelty or a bit of a hoo-ha around it not with the Gales yeah yeah agree but uh, yeah so Calvin Gales good good win there and what's best about it is that it gets me tree up on the table between myself and yourself in terms of predictions so we'll see how the, the remainder of them go on the diehards uh, podcast over on patreon.com forward slash we are Calvin we'll be doing our intermediate and junior reviews um, on that podcast second game then of the weekend Saturday afternoon um, in Kingspan Breffney or Saturday evening an absolute cracker um Lavi against Castle Rahan this this game had absolutely everything it was brilliant it was it was brilliant it came after the Red Hills not bright game which in itself was a, was an unbelievable game just as good but to get that much entertainment on one evening it was it was sad for the people who couldn't get in to see it because it was a really memorable afternoons or evenings football and again Castle Rahan they just didn't panic even though they were under the cosh and Lavi without a doubt Lavi deserved at least a draw out of the game yeah 
I think you'd have to say that. But Castellan have, have this particular bunch of Castellan players are always able to engineer goals. They're, we said about Calvin Gales and Castellan the same. They're a great goal scoring team. And if you look back through the group stages, in particular in recent years, Castellan have oftentimes you know, bagged three, four, five goals at times. The, mm. uh, now, Mackey was in the team back then, maybe and was, they were creating goal chances through him as well. But uh, it was the goals that were, were the key to this one. Yeah, and, and yet they were out early with the goals. Cormac Daly's coming. I think it was their second score. But it was... Um, or was that Ocean O'Connell's? Yeah, no, Daly got the first one Daly and got O'Connell the got the second one. That's right. And they're both very well taken. Uh, like Daly blasted his home. Like w- when Daly gets the ball when he's at full tilt heading towards goal, that's his game. That's his yeah. strength. And like he's he's as good as any player in the county at that. Now he, There's other areas of his game where he's not as good. But when he's attacking a kick out or taking the ball at full stride, and he's a very good shooter as well off the right boot. And he, he smashed home the goal. And the second one was a great finish by O'Connell. Just rolled it in at the left post. Do you know what Daly has? And, and, and it's the exact same as James Smith. They, when, they, when they are at full tilt, moving towards goal with ball in hand, they're a very dangerous prospect, both of them. Mm. You know, they're, they, they have such momentum and they carry that momentum brilliantly. I'll tell you what I was very impressed with, with Cormac Daly. I thought his temperament was excellent. And in the past... They're, they're, he may have been the target of opposition to try to get him to react. He was the target again, and I and I seen a number of occasions where he held his cool. I thought I thought that was really really good, um, level headed display by Cormac Daly. I I I think even the wing half back role may suit him in terms of that. He he he! I don't think he he lacks the the extra twenty meters that's needed to drive forward from midfield or drive forward from the halfback. He doesn't he doesn't lack that extra twenty meters. There's plenty in the legs from to do those runs. So, um, I thought it was a really good display by Cormac Daly as well. But going back to Lavi, I genuinely believe if if Jerry Smith stays on the field, Lavi probably would have won that game in in ordinary time, or if not did have won it an extra time because I think that Jerry's athleticism and, and fitness and, and speed when you've tired legs around would have been worth a few scores. Yeah, look, it's hard to argue because he was he was as good as any player on the field for the time he was on. Like, he, he kicked a beautiful point with his left foot at one stage and he was driving forward. Like, he was playing the role that... that you love to see Jerry Smith doing. I mean, talk about a thoroughbred. We've we've heaped praise on him for years on the podcast, and he was doing he was doing everything you want to see from him. Like he's just he's just class. He's poetry in motion when you see him going forward, and he's a, he's such a huge man when he tugs out. He tugs out really big. Mm. I was looking at him like even compared to uh, the likes of Park Smith and, and David Ritt, big men that Casaran have around the middle. And he's every bit every bit as big and physically imposing as any of them, and yet he wouldn't be regarded as a big tank of a player he's yeah. he's no more for his speed and his his uh, athleticism but he's he's got the whole package and he was playing brilliantly unfortunately he got that injury and went off I don't know what you know Lavi were two points up in extra time and looked good for them but Kassaran just didn't panic and that's just the experience of big games after big games after big games and the experience showed itself in abundance in Ronan Flanagan who for me and we were having this debate off air I didn't think Ronan was having one of his better games. I thought he was getting caught in possession a couple of times, which was unlike him. But he cracks up with a goal 
just when Castellan needed, and he's—I suppose—that's just history repeating itself. He—he's done that so many times and continues to do it. You know, d- delighted for him to get that goal. But how important was that? When you take the overall championship, Ronan Flanagan is not in that field. If he had have stuck to his guns and 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 retired, Castellan were gone. Oh, without a doubt, without a doubt. But like the man who set up the goal or who who fielded the ball for the goal was David Wright, and. I think that's something that's been overlooked. You look at the Castellan team that beat Rammer in the county final last year. No Parag Smith, no David Wright. Uh, Parag Smith was, was away and only came back for the Ulster Club game. I think he, I think he was maybe out of the country. And David David Wright slash Ritt, the artist formerly known as Ritt, we call him, <laughs> like Prince. Uh, he was injured for the final. And he is playing brilliantly yeah. in, in this championship. I think he's he's playing absolutely brilliantly and I thought both those fellas had huge huge games around the middle of the field. Yeah. Like they were Two kicking scores. Two points from Parag Smith and I, I I I was jotting down some of the midfield marks, but I think it was three attack or three midfield marks by by David Wright, you know, which was a huge huge part of of them gaining control in the middle of the field. Well, that's essentially two new players, so you can counteract the loss of Brian Ennis maybe and Kia Mackey. I know they're different players, but they're still instrumental players. They've come into that side now that that weren't basically there for the business end of the championship last year, so. There is there is no real slippage in in Kassaran. and if anyone doubted their hunger, there you got your answer on Saturday evening. Yeah, uh, in a, in a big way. I, I was just looking at it, at it earlier. The other thing I wanted to comment on, I'm not sure if you mentioned it on the Diehards podcast, but when I when I walked out of Brefty Park on after the game, I was walking over to the car, and it was it would do you good to see the sight that I saw. All the Kassaran and Lavi lads were standing around in huddles. Two Kassaran lads here, two Lavi lads with them talking. You'd swear to we're all one team. It yeah. was, it absolutely would, would would do you good. The sportsmanship on show. The, the Castrahan lads had little little um, foil containers. Trays. Yeah, containing the food, obviously. Yeah, which which was impressive. It was it was it was smart that they were on the ball, had that prepared uh, to get the get the nutrition in, like after a, a slog like that. But they were standing around. And some of them were were eating the food. And they were just all having a chat, and the mood, the mood I detected, the body language of the Lavi fellas, they were weary, they were tired, disappointed, but they were content that they had poured everything out on the field. And I think this feeds into this sort of season that we're having. I don't know if you've seen that before, but it's an unusual season, and there's like, it's like, uh, like it's like footballers have got a sort of a death row pardon. It's like you're never going to play football again. Okay, go at it. Yeah. We're going to let you out one more time. And they're yeah. going out, and you can see them the scores, Damien. Teams are just freewheeling. Go mm. for it. See what happens. They haven't, there's no paralysis by analysis. There's no uh, trying to stifle the other team. It's just go out, go for it. We're, we're just glad to be playing football. And even though both teams went at it on the field after the game, the atmosphere was complete sportsmanship. And I just want to commend them for that. Well, do you know what? And and I, I, was, I was raging that I didn't just get out in time. But so I was I was at the tunnel I was at the back of the stand immediately after the game, um, and then after after a few minutes I I was walking out towards the field and I heard a, a round of applause, and so I I kind of made my way from the back of the stand through the tunnel and and up to see and the last of the Lavi players were just going down the tunnel, but as I looked into the stand there was there was only maybe ten or fifteen people there, but. There was definitely Castle Rahan, you know, um, management team, um, chair people, you know, committee members, and some Lavi ones. But there's no way that they all didn't 
ring in on that round of applause. So there was a mutual respect there. And I thought that that was something that, you know, sometimes if you have a thousand people at a game, you don't get that level of sportsmanship. You don't get, you get a supporter or two who literally are shouting, oh, yeah, Damien Donahue, you prick, yeah, you know, for something that that I may or may not have done. Or but, colleague. Or, or colleague, <laughs> exactly. But you, you, you get you get that shout, you know, so, and therefore people are less willing to appreciate the effort of, of both the winners and the losers. I thought, I thought the overall sportsmanship and respect, and yet, no holes barred, no no bending of knee to to Lavi or to Castlerahan by Lavi. It was it was full blooded. It was hard, honest, fair football, and it was um it was the type of game I I will watch back. I haven't got a chance to watch back, but you'd watch time and time again. Such was the level of skill, the the ability, the score taken, the man marking. We didn't even get onto that. Like I thought, Danny Cusick for me holding Ushin O'Connell to one score. Now I know it was a goal. But for the rest of the game, and, and Ushin O'Connell for me has been phenomenal this year. And that's why Danny Cusick's job on him deserves special mention. Like we mentioned how he does this in every game so far, but this was against one of the best forwards. In my opinion, this year's championship, one of the top three forwards in the county. And I thought he nullified Ushin O'Connell, which is no easy task to do. So, you know. Absolutely agree with that. Danny Cusick has really elevated his game now. Like he's, that was. That is not an easy task to mark Ushin O'Connell, especially in, in the pitch like Breffney where there's a, where there's so much space, and like he's got the pace to to burn a defender, uh, and he you know he did a, he never left him alone. He did a great job on him. But and just, on the other end of the field, End O'Connell and Shane Tierney was a hell of a battle. Like Shane Tierney finishes with five points, and it was he had a brilliant display. But you can't you can't take away from End O'Connell had at least three blocks on 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 Shane Tierney's boot. You know that's how close he was, and. I, I can definitely recall two more points where Shane Tierney's kick was within millimetres of being blocked down again by Endo O'Connell. Like, it was a brilliant battle. Probably Shane Tierney just got the edge on it, but Endo O'Connell, I thought, really put in a, 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 as good a display as you can go man-to-man on Shane Tierney. Yeah. I, don't, I just don't think you can go man-to-man on Shane Tierney. I think that he is that good at the moment. Yeah, look, I think Casaran would have or Lav- oh yeah, Casaran would have been happy before the game if they said you'll hold him to four points in normal time. Mm. You know, over the hour if they said you keep Shane Tierney to four points, they would have taken that. Yeah, uh, because that's how good he is. Four points in play, and I think he finished with five. He got one in extra time I think, right. as well. So, so five points in in uh, in eighty minutes of football. Like that's how good he is. If if you keep him to that, you've done well because because yeah. he's outrageous. I, I was just actually looking. Just to put Casaran in context, because the point was made that Casaran are now trying to get into their sixth county final in a row, which is phenomenal. And I was looking back through the records. More than that, they're trying to obviously win a three in a row, a three in a row, which puts them in very exclusive company. So the teams in Cabin who have got who've got a three in a row, uh, Cornerfane d- did it way back in the midst of time. Mullahorn did it in the forties. Goodhill did it in the fifties. Crushlaw did it in, in the sixties and the seventies because yeah, it was part of the that. seven in a row. Lara did it eighty two to eighty four. Kingscourt did it eighty nine to ninety one. Garner did four in five years, but they never did three in a row. They did two, lost it, and then did two. And the Gales did two three in a rows mm. with, with basically the same batch, which was which was incredible. So the challenge now for for Castleran, like they have won their two county their two county championships. If if those Castleran lads retire tomorrow, they can retire happy. So they're really playing for legacy. Like yeah. they're trying to win a tour. The satisfaction, obviously, of achieving a sport and goal is 
is great and get to the end of a journey. But this is a legacy thing because if you look at Casarahan, okay, no team had ever lost probably three finals in a row in Cavan. Mullahorn. Uh, oh, Mullahorn had, sorry, yeah. Mm. But no team had ever lost to three different teams uh, the way Casarahan had. Yeah. So, so you have to weigh that into it, getting to those first three finals and also had been in the final in 2011. But if Casarahan are to finish on two titles, there's teams that finish on two. Cavan Gales won two titles. Now, obviously, Casarahan, if they don't win it this year, they still won it two in a row. But if, but if the same bunch is to win, and I say just two county championships, and, and that's in the very yeah. commas, Cavan Gales won two in the late seventies. They actually won won three in four years. I think that team, uh, Rammer won two in eighty five and ninety two with mostly the same side. Uh, Kingscourt won two in twenty ten and twenty fourteen, and also made a final as well. Uh, Baileyborough won two way back fifty seven and sixty four, and then you have sort of the one hit wonders: the Baileyborough ninety five, the Palinia. Uh, Mullahorn won two, I suppose, in, in, in 06 and 12, you could say, but that was a, sort of an overlap mm. even back to 98. So, so Castoran need to, if they can win this, they go into the really exclusive territory mm. of one of the best ever club teams in Cavan, bar none. Nobody, yeah. nobody, if you win a three in a row, nobody can argue it. Now, I would argue that Castoran are up there anyway because of their sustained excellence in making finals. But to win the cup three times in a row, you, you elevate yourself from a really good team to a, a really great team. And what it does, and the beauty of it, is that it puts another team into that. It's not as if it's another three in a row for Gales or Crushala or for Mullahorn Corner, Finkertail, whoever. It's it's a three in a row for a new club. And that's a big, big one too. Like It's not just, you know, I, I'd say a lot of the times when you see a team win a senior championship for a first time, that's their only one. And maybe we'll come back in five or 10 years or 15 years and win more. But to win three in a row... With your first, second, and third, I don't know. Would any team have done that? Well, could Hill did it, and and Lara did it, right? Okay. But but the thing was, uh, that was Lara's first championship in eighty. I'm pretty sure that was Lara's first championship. I could be, oh, I could be wrong. Sorry, I might be wrong on that. They might have won one in the early eighties. Like that was they won it in okay. eighty two, eighty three, and eighty four. Uh, did they win it before that? Not sure. Not a hundred percent on that one, but yeah. The, the, it's, it's, it'd be phenomenal to, it to, to win your first one and then and I think that could probably only really happen uh, in the modern day if you had lost a few finals possibly yeah like, like Kassaran, it was all part of a journey uh, third game of the weekend then was uh, Kings Court against Mullahorn we all expected a whitewash here and mother of mercy were we all wrong this was a cracker this was a cracker this was unbelievable and like this game has raised more questions than answers Yes. Yeah, we're trying to solve the riddle of who's going to win this championship and this has actually made it more difficult for us. It's like going into a maze and taking a wrong turn. What do we know about Kingscourt after that game? Less than we knew before it, I think. Because well, you know there's character. Oh yeah, well you, you know that know but you, character. you know that with Kingscourt anyway, that Kingscourt are, are yeah. Kingscourt get to the knockout stages of the championship, they're generally not going to fold. Now la- the last two years, as I've said a few times, they only scored seven points. Yeah. But this year they came up against a Mullahorn team who had lost three games in a row. Has any team ever gone into a senior championship quarter final losing three games in a row? Ever in any county? Probably not. I doubt it. Yeah. Like it's it's highly unusual circumstances. So I think Mullahorn played more like the Mullahorn team that we saw again the Ulster Intermediate Club final. They were closer to that level than they had been the, what we saw in the group stage, and it probably caught Kingsford by surprise in the first half. It has to. No matter how well you prepare, and mentally and physically. You know, if you've been playing playing teams like with with all due respect, Lara, Shercock, the lower ranked teams in senior in, in the group stages, 
uh, Lacken as well, who are who didn't win any games in the group. Killigari. And then Kill- that that was a good one against Killigari. But you're playing those teams, and then you come in, and it has to hit you. Mm. It has to hit you physically and mentally that that oh Jesus, oh, we're in a game now. And whatever about it hitting you, you if it hits you with points. Uh, you, you know you've you've time to recover and and they're not that devastating when it hits you with goals as as Mullerhorn did, that takes a good bit of recovering from and that's that's where Mullerhorn's beauty was and Philip de Gunner was crucial in both goals. You know he was he he played such an important role in that in the full forward line for Mullerhorn. From Kingscourt's point of view, they'll they'll be delighted that the youngsters, some of the young lads. You know, that's where the question comes on those lads, right? Your back's to the wall, somebody's hitting you in the face, you know, best laid plans are, are, are all good until you get a punch in the face. They were punched in the face, but the youngsters stepped up. Keane Shackleton hitting a nice point from open play. Peter Corrigan with two points. I thought John Oates was good coming from the back line as well. And and even Sean Bork in the middle of the field on top of that, Shane Duffy. Good performances by young fellas in a very, very pressurised environment because... What Mullerhorn were creating was massive pressure. Every time a King's Cup man got a ball, you either had to be excellent or you were you were, you were beat. You know they were going to beat you to the ball. They were going to take it from you. So, um, you can tell from and, and people will hear the interview on the diehard service with David Lennon, uh, the King's Cup manager after the game. He was trying to prepare the King's Cup boys against being um, laxadaisy and. Like he kind of says, look, we we didn't we didn't properly know what was coming, and we we knew Mullerhorn's tradition and their history, but this was a different Mullerhorn side, and 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 it was it was it was a Mullerhorn side that was primed and ready for uh, a, a, just a raid, you mm-hmm. know, one off. We're coming in here, we're going to steal the steal the the safe, and and we're out the door before you even know what happened. Yeah, yeah, completely, and like Mullerhorn have a good record against Kingsford in the championship. Mm-hmm. Like if you even think back to twenty twelve, I actually looked up the preview to that game earlier. Mullerhorn were three to one going into the the county final the first day. And I actually remember tipping them and people were laughing at me for tipping them. They they drew the game and <laughs> one of my eternal regrets is I changed my prediction for the replay because the, the favourite always wins the replay. Yeah. And Mullerhorn won the replay. Yeah. Uh, so that'll tell you for to go in as three to one underdogs and then to over two games to win it was a hell of an achievement back then. They also beat Kingsford in a league final back then. And bear in mind that was a really good Kingsford team who who had won it two years before and would won it, would win it three years later as well. So um, Mullerhorn have always been able to up their game against Kingsford. I think Mullerhorn have got fit as as the games have gone on. I don't think they were that active in the lockdown, and I think they're only playing. They're not playing anywhere near their potential even yet. I was just going to say that I I I actually thought in the heel of the hunt in the second half, fitness let Mullerhorn down overall. Um, you know, I I just thought they hadn't the legs to hold out the great foundation that they'd put in in that first half. But you know, having said that. I thought Kingscourt deserves huge credit because a lesser team would have would have wilted under that pressure to them. Um, big performances. You you couldn't go without mentioning Barry Riley. Eleven points, three from open play, but three forty fives as you were saying off air. Like you know, I think it was last week we talked about Ushin Pearson. Somebody has three forty five, and you kind of go, "Wow, that's that's amazing." Barry Riley does, and you go, "Well, that's Barry Riley." Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it. That's it. Like. We could talk all day about Barry Riley, and we have done in the past on podcasts. But yeah, like that's one of his best ever performances there because the pressure was on, mm. and like I thought 
Mullerhorn didn't get much out of the referee and Kingscourt did. So so Kingscourt were, were up against an extremely motivated Mullerhorn team who were getting men back who knew what they were doing on the day, the way they were playing the game. There was space up there in front of Cormac O'Reilly who was giving Paddy Mead all sorts of problems. So Kingscourt needed Barry Riley to nail those frees because they were the up, they were really the only opportunities they were getting for long periods to get scores with these dead balls. And then certain times he did his Johnny Wilkinson's impression, just drop back into the pocket, yeah. let the, let the let the big forwards smash the way through, make space, drop it back, and Barry swings it over the bar from play. Absolutely beautiful. Um, in, yeah. in in contrast between the two sides, Mullerhorn um, scored three points from frees. The rest was all open play from Mullerhorn. Uh, for for Kings Court, you had Barry Riley's eight from freeze. Keane Shackleton hit one as well. So it was very much a day that if the free takers for Kings Court had been off form, Mullerhorn win that game because Mullerhorn weren't relying on freeze. They weren't getting them to to rely on them. Well, that's the thing. That's the thing, Damien. Because I didn't notice. Uh, I didn't notice any discernible difference in the tackling at either end. So I thought Kings Court. Call it spade a spade. I thought Kingscourt were getting freeze easier from the referee on the day, and Mullerhorn were getting harder to get freeze. I, f- I thought Philip de Gunner was fouled a couple of times and didn't get freeze. And at the other end, there was a couple of soft freeze went to Kingscourt. There was one for a sliding tackle, where the, which was a terrible decision. A terrible decision. If Barry Riley had been there and the player had slid into him, okay. Yeah. But but the, the fact was Barry hadn't got to the ball. The ball was there to be won, and it wasn't even a thing with studs up. The player went in with his foot on a loose ball, effectively. Yeah. You know, yeah. which I thought, if like if if there's a loose ball in the penalty area, no one's near you at the back post, and you slide to get it, is that a free out? Because you slid. I I I think the term is you you can't do a sliding tackle yeah. in Gaelic football. But there has been an opponent there to tackle. That's, Barry Riley hasn't got to the ball. Like I think the uh, the somebody sent me a stat um, that Kings Court were awarded fourteen scoreable frees, Mullerhorn were awarded four. Mm. And it it did kind of feel a bit like that. Now, and I, I I genuinely I don't want it to make it sound like I'm 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 too harsh on the, on the referee because on on the radio I maybe was a little bit reactionary in terms that I I I called it as I seen it straight away. But I I think there definitely is question marks over. And has another somebody from Mullerhorn then another person texts me to say that Mullerhorn haven't won a game in the last eight years with Mickey Lee refereeing any game so now I, I again we want to check that stat out but um but that's you know if that's more than a coincidence i think in well you have to see the games maybe they were up against they were overmatched in, in a lot of those games yeah possibly. oh yeah yeah but uh yeah look but by the law I, of averages I, i'm not saying the referee was biased but maybe it's the style of refereeing but Doesn't I thought, I thought yeah that, and that could be it yeah but i thought Mullerhorn and there's also the part that Maybe there's a psychological thing in the Mullerhorn players' heads going into a game that, well, this referee doesn't like us, and therefore they're on his back straight away. Maybe they're creating their own problem. Well, the, and there were some stupid fouls. Like there was one foul by, I think it was Eddie Dalton, where he shouldered Barry Riley into the back. Yes. You know, Stonewall free in front of the post. Yeah. And, and that was at a crucial stage, too. That was at a crucial know. stage. That was but, a killer. But, but taking but, it back to the Philly Philly Tinley hit the post twice in the first half. The butts, yeah. Yeah. And if, that, if, if they had gone in, Kingsford might Mullerhorn might have dropped the head, but with those misses, it gives such a psychological lift to Mullerhorn. And if they had gone in, you could have seen Kingsford run away with that game, possibly. Yeah, yeah possibly. But I, I thought the luck went Mullerhorn's way with a couple of instances like that. 
Yeah, they're definitely like, and I thought William O'Reilly had a very good like. There was two saves yeah, that he yeah. pulled off that, that I thought he was excellent in goals, which was a crucial part of it. Um, you know, but you have to come back to Cormac O'Reilly, right? We, we spoke about Barry, and we we always speak about Barry, but. Cormac is now announcing himself at, at senior level in Cav and that he's one of the best forwards out there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Based on that performance, like you couldn't argue with it. I know Mullerhorn played him out the field more times earlier on in the championship, but you know, I think if you've got a dangerous forward who could score, and we'll be talking about that with about Darren McFeedy in a while, it's a note I've taken to mention. But if you've a dangerous forward that can score, you've got to get him in the scoring zone as much as possible and let the other team worry about him. Yeah. And like I thought the matchup didn't work for Kingscourt with Paddy Mead. Even though I thought Mead came into the game an extra time and I was I was watching him closely, he never dropped ahead and he did make a couple of turnovers and won some ball and pushed forward. But I thought like to be fair, Cormac took him to the cleaners. Um he couldn't handle him. Mm. And you know, I was asking someone what why was there no change made there and a Kingscourt person and he, he was saying, you know, maybe they didn't didn't think that anyone else that could handle Cormac Riley in the in the form that he was in, but maybe they could have put on McKeown or someone like that. You no, know, Mead. Well, they've Parik Faulkner there. Yeah, Parik Faulkner. Yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, that's but maybe the they thought they needed Parik elsewhere. But I thought McKeown maybe. You know, obviously Mead is a more senior player in the team than McKeown, but that doesn't mean he's necessarily the right man for that that particular job. Yeah, and 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 on top of that, it's um, you know, sometimes sometimes you don't. To play on the wing and play in the centre can be very, very different things. Although a man marker is a man marker, mm. regardless of its wings or centres. So I'd, I'd, um, I, I thought, I thought, I, personally thought probably left on a wee bit too long, Paddy Mead, because on Cormac, I'd have been bringing him out the field because I think Paddy Mead probably could have done a lot of the job that Park Faulkner was doing in the middle of the field. But we've seen in the past where Killian the Gunner from Mullahorn has to be played either on that middle toward you can't sacrifice him to play in the full back line because the loss he is to you going forward. You know, side note, Killian the Gunners kick passing was brilliant. Oh yeah, where'd that come out of? <laughs> like it was it was on the money every time. He was fraying around like Morris Fitz. I tell you, I, I, I was delighted to see that because he, he gets a lot of abuse over his kicking, but by God his kicking was excellent. Yeah. I, I thought he had a great game. Yeah. He drove forward like one of my favourite players anyway but he had, a, he had a great game and his kicking was great he delivered some serious ball in definitely did definitely did so yeah look at massive uh, massive progress made in that game alone by Mullerhorn to show that the younger players that are coming through that, that are now true are, are are going to hold on to that uh, to that Mullerhorn flame and the hope that they could win a senior championship in the next few years is still alive with them yeah, look, it definitely is. They showed pride, like at the bowed out, and you know, Mullerhorn might be glad in a way that they lost that game because they could have gone in against Calvin Gales and maybe taken the trimming. Now, I'm not saying Kingsford will, but it could it could have happened because they already they already lost heavily to Calvin Gales in the group. So this way, they've something to build on. Final game of the weekend. Then we both went for Kingsford in that game as well. We both got it right, just about. Um, final game of the weekend: Crushla against Gauna. Um, the tale of this one is probably 14 men, you know, just couldn't hold on for long enough in the end. Well, we've seen that the extra man, even a black card, makes a big difference in games. In You know, I think that rule is really good now. Mm. Sending a player off for, for a pull down or maybe for a dodgy decision where referees unsighted or something, putting them off for the whole game was excessive. The old black card rule. I think the sin bin is great. But yet, it, it was excessive on the person 
But it didn't punish the team. Really. It didn't punish the team. It was an unsatisfactory yeah. route. But the it sin was. bin is, is great. Yes. And even if the decision is wrong, you know, at least it's not it's not yes. terminal. But uh, it does make an impact. And like that, it made a huge impact. And having seen the clip back, Pat Clark got dog's abuse from the from the Garner uh, bench. And along the line, he was getting a lot of abuse. And I think it was a bit over the top on Garner's part. Because having seen the, the, the video back of both the incidents that really set them set them mad. I think Finon Brady had to go off for that. Yeah, no, still, no, I don't think I don't think anybody can argue once they've seen back the the, the clip. He had to go off know, for that. And the and other incident, uh, I think it was Ryan Gallagher. Yes, I don't think he, I don't think he made contact. I think Oshin uh, Pearson made a bit of a meal of it. And <clears throat> to be fair, I think I couldn't I see think, that being a red. I did, I I have to agree one hundred percent in real time. I thought Ryan Galligan probably should have been sent off. When I seen back the clip, I think Pat Clark got it one hundred percent right. It was, what Ryan Galligan did was stupid because yes. he, there was he, no no was need to, for yeah. it. Yeah, he you he, know, he, he, he almost got himself sent off for nothing. Yeah, he he could have turned back away from it, yeah. and 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 at that moment, Ushin Pearson was very animated, very you know uh, the adrenaline was flowing in him, and I think Ryan Galligan it was almost to you know taunt him. More than anything, but I don't. I don't think that that was a red card. Um, I there wasn't a clear movement of a head in any way with Ryan no. Galligan. Um, so I I have to say, in real time, I thought Galligan should have gone. In hindsight, having seen the video of it, I thought Pat Clark got that one hundred percent right. Yeah, and, and Finn, Finn on Brady's, Brady's Finn on Brady's red card was foolish. Like there was no need for it. I know he's a young, good young lad coming up. Say that, yeah. it, and he learned from it, but it yeah. probably wasn't a smart thing to do. But well, that's his first senior championship quarterfinal. I, I think I don't think he played last year. Yeah, there you go. Like, and he he has come on over the course of the championship. He's, yeah. a, he's a player for the future, but he he learned from that. I wouldn't pin the blame totally on him for the for the loss. That would be unfair. Like, Garner did manage to get back to once at one point or two points. Mm. Um, here's an interesting stat, Damien. We've been highlighting this all championship. Garner have the, the strike force to win the championship, but do they have the defence? This is what they've been conceding coming into this game. 2-11 against Rammer, which is 17. 1-15 against Lavi, which is 18. 2-11 against Kiligari, which is 17. 114 against Kassaran, which is 17. So in all the group games, there's this trend there. 17, 18 points. They go out and concede 2-19 against Krushala. If they had have kept to their usual, uh, what they usually leak at the back, their 3-10 would have been enough. Their 3-10 was enough to win, a, to win any of those games that they've played this year. So the forwards didn't do anything wrong. The backs let, let in this... Uh, yeah, this tally of two nineteen. How much of that's down to the extra man? So you, you know, when you tot it all up, it wasn't really an underperformance by by Garner, based on their previous form. Really, no. they were down a man, uh, and they're missing Connor Brady as well. So I think Garner can take a lot from it. Oh, without a doubt, Garner. Compare this to this time twelve months ago, where Garner were absolutely tame and 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 completely destroyed in a quarter final. Gowna's championship this year showed consistency. Like they were, you know, very close coming into injury time in games, got got themselves back, draws or wins. Their 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 development this year I think was was absolutely brilliant. I think that they've made progress and in the coming years will uh, will will go on and, and and make semi-finals, finals and maybe even win championships. But I think the the key part of it, we couldn't not talk about Connor Madden's goal and Ushi Pearson's points. I think that they were the scores of the game. Yeah. The scores of the weekend maybe. Ah, unbelievable. Like the two players that you love to watch. Like uh, Madden really had his dander up. He was running at the defence. 
dancing in through tackles and then that goal like Kevin Carney in his report for the Celtic compared it to Marco Van Basten <laughs> and it was it was a full volley it smashed into the net Pearson's points were phenomenal and again Krushala there's still that, that that little bit loose there at the back yeah. there's still that little bit loose and they're going to have to tighten up on that before the if they're going to win this championship I was just looking at it now their challenge is to get to the final now obviously they're after this is their third semi-final in a row if if they don't get the final this year, it's going to be hard to make the case that it's progress because they're in the final twenty eighteen semi final last year. <coughs> They've got to be making a final to make progress again. Yeah, and I I was just looking at saying looking at the Crucialaw team and I was thinking where where would you play Dar McVitie if you had him and I would play him inside. I said it last year. Paddy Lynch is playing brilliant stuff. He's very very hard Paddy to handle. Excellent. You put Lynch and McVitie. This is what I'm saying about playing the scoring forward close to the goal so he can do damage. You put Lynch and McVitie in there. What team's going to handle Lynch and McVitie? Mm. I can't see anyone handling those two lads in close to goal. You might handle one of them, but they're but two the other, absolute the other marquee one. forwards. They don't have him, so I think it's it's so crucial to them that they get Pierre Smith back fitting on the field. Yeah, but then you have, you have the other thing. You see, there's, there's conspiracy theories. Have you not heard of conspiracy theory? No. That Crush Law have control of the county board. And in order to get Dara back for the semi-final, the semi-finals were moved two weeks later. So Dara's going to land back this week, quarantined for two weeks, and he's ready for the semi-final. <laughs> he he only has to stay for eight days or nine days, and he's got a semi-final and a final, and then he can go back and quarantine in Australia. A month would do it all. But uh, has he not played championship football in Australia? It doesn't matter. So Because I, I replied to that person. I said, yeah, he's played championship football over there. It doesn't matter. Um it's sanctions or, or essentially anyway, he, he's, he's eligible to play. So conspiracy theorists oh, out yeah. there. The championship, are, David, are why, right. did, why did you tell me this one on air? You can't be hitting me with bombshells against <laughs> on air. That's got to be off air. I have to, I have to let that, that one sink in now. Because that's just, that is just literally, if I, in case anyone thinks we're messing, that's a total coincidence that I brought up McVitie. I didn't realise this. Yeah, no, no. I thought, I thought, I thought the source that told me this, uh, usually is in contact with you the odd time as well so um yeah watch this space watch this space it could be could be very interesting brady's arva limited main dealers for volkswagen cars and commercial vehicles have been serving the needs of the motoring community in Cavan, longford leitrim monaghan mead and the surrounding counties for over 50 years a family-owned and family-run business brady's are famous for their long association with the gaa if you're looking for a new or used car or commercial vehicle, check out Brady's Arva Limited. They provide an unrivaled sales and after-sales service and are open six days a week. Brady's Arva Limited. Get on the winning team today. See www.bradysarva.ie for more details. Okay, so it's time now for our proactive risk control team of the week. Um, Paul, again, like we, we spoke about all of the wonderful scores over the weekend so there's I, there's a lot a lot of nominations and particularly in the forward line it's a very very hard team to pick but um yeah as i said on the on the diehards podcast we made the mistake of saying if you get nine scores you're guaranteed team of the week not this week unfortunately no this week is unbelievable we're top heavy with forwards but like so many unbelievable performances like i reckon there's about eight or nine players who, who scored nine points or more in the championship yeah. this weekend, which is incredible. And then you had other players in the forwards who might not have scored so much but played brilliantly. So uh, very, very hard to pick, particularly to pick the forward line this week. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 and again, it comes with that horrible problem of trying to weigh whether 
a performance at junior level compared to a quarter final senior championship performance is is better or worse. But anyway, we, we we've done our best on it. Um we start off in goals. There was two nominations in uh William O'Reilly from Mullahorn and Mark Fagan from Den. I didn't get to see the, the Den game. I seen William O'Reilly. I thought he had an excellent game in fairness to him. He did, he made a couple of cracking saves. Um I kept a clean sheet, so you can't ask for more than that. Yeah, yeah, really good display. I thought two two very good saves anyway, and kickouts were good. I thought Mullerhorn, you know, they, they they at least broke even, if not maybe won the majority of their own kickouts. Um, but by all reports, Mark Fagan was exceptional. Well, I suppose he he came up and kicked the winner in a low scoring game, ten points or eleven ten or ten nine. I think it was, I think it was ten nine. 10-9. Yeah, and he came up and kicked a free from 48 metres, which he has done that before for then in games. Uh, he's come up and he's nailed a free to win it. So, you know, a big win for for, for then against Munch O'Connor. Missing Thomas Edward Donahue and Cabal Keoghan as well. So, yeah. um, you know, fantastic stuff by Mark Fagan. Yeah, so for, for the winning point by a goalkeeper, uh, we'll, we'll give the goalkeeper of the week to Den's Mark Fagan. Um, nominations in the full back line then, we'll go through them all. Um, Mark F- Mark Sexton from Red Hills, Killian Farley from Kingscourt, Danny Cusick from Lavi, Mossy Core from Den, David Shalvey, Crushala, Shani O'Connor, Coothill, Luke Crossan from Killing Care. Um games I was at there, Danny Danny Cusick and David Shelby, both excellent. Um I thought Killian Farley coming off the bench done a very, very good job. Couple of really good interceptions in front of Philip the Gunner as well. Um, Luke Crossan, I understand, was was excellent young lad from Killing Care, a cornerback. Yeah, great performances. Like David Shelby's nearly a permanent fixture on Team of the Week because he's getting two or three points a game, lining their cornerback, and he could have had more as well. He missed a chance or two uh, for Crushalaf. Brilliant performances. Luke Crossan's another man who stood out. Uh, Shawnee O'Connor, loads of nominations come in for him. So the three that we've gone for here are Shawnee O'Connor from Coothill in number two, Danny Cusick from Lavi in number three, and at uh, number four, cornerback David Shelby, who we're just going to call out the David Shelby spot from now on. <laughs> P- PRC uh, cornerback of the week for this season is David Shelby. <laughs> definitely, definitely. He's uh, he's definitely his attacking player from, from the back, but he does cover a lot of ground. Somebody said to me, no, no, he's, he's actually playing as a forward, uh, just wearing number four. And so I was watching it at the weekend. There's absolutely no way he's playing as a forward. He's just getting up and down that field. So well done, David Shelby and Danny and Shawnee. Um, halfback line nominations were uh, Damien Layden from Swanland Bar, Michael Clark from uh, Knockbride, Cormac Daly, Castle Rahan, Chris Conroy, Lavi, Dara Sexton from Cavan Gales, and Philip Tinley from Kingscourt Stars. Yeah, again, lots of attacking players there. Like Damien Layden came up and scored three points in the second half for Swanland Bar. Tinley got a couple of points, was getting into attacking positions all the time. Chris Conroy was was scoring, scoring free, scoring from play. Great performances all around. Clark from from that bright had a good game, anchoring the defence as well. So difficult to pick, pick in the half back line. Yeah, Dara Sexton with a point from from wing half back, a monster outside of the right boot. Um, Dara Sexton's a great kicker of the ball. Yeah. always was. Yeah, long range and and his general play, link play was 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 very solid. Um, when you think about, like he's keeping Barry Fortune probably off that team, which shows the level that Dara Sexton's playing at the minute. So, um, really good performance there. But the three that we've gone for here, 
It was Cormac Daly scoring 1-1 for Castle Rahan in an extra time win over Lavi. I thought without that 1-1, Lavi were probably going through as well. Chris Conroy, though, five points from centre-half back slash midfield, but four frees, one Absolute monster. I reckon it must have been 55 metres out with the outside of the boot straight in front of the goals um, with his one from open play. And then Philip Tinley, I just thought, overall display was, was excellent from, from Tinley at wing-back. Yeah, it could have had 2-3, like he hit the post twice. Uh, yeah. Very busy. Yeah, top quality. So our, that's your, your half-back line. In the middle of the field, then the nominations were Porrick Smith, Castle Rahan, John Fitzpatrick, Butler's Bridge, Kieran Brady, Arva, Liam Buchanan, Bally McHugh, Garoden McKeown and Calvin Gales, David Wright, Castle Rahan, um, Knockbrides, Philip Rogers, James Smith from Crushalot, and Jason McMahon from Killing Care. Who was the standouts that you can remember? So many good performances. Like I wasn't sure exactly what position Philip Rogers was playing. I think it was midfield that he came on in. But like right. he had torn the game for for Knockbride. I thought he was everywhere when he came on. We flagged it up in the commentary that. Uh, you know what a good player he was when he came on. He was going to take a lot of watching him. But Hills couldn't get keep tabs on him and all. Uh, James Smith again, being a real leader around the middle of the field for for Crutchlaw, some majestic feeling. David Wright, uh, what can you say? Like he's playing brilliant football. There's a lot of very good performances there in the middle of the field. Yeah, Liam Buchanan, I thought put in an ex an excellent sort of defensive midfielder role for Bally McHugh like he he stopped two definite goals from Drumgoon albeit against a team that had very little to play for and Bally McHugh were always in control but I thought Liam Buchanan looking like he's the games the more games he gets the better he's going to get and and it was definitely the best that we've seen from Liam Buchanan Kieran Brady apparently in the first half against Butler's Bridge was phenomenal going by the updates we, we were receiving on, on the We Are Calvin broadcast um, he, he controlled the first half of that game John Fitzpatrick then came into it in the second half of Butler's Bridge and, and as you said Porrick Smith in the middle of the field for Castle Rahan I thought two points from open play but really good all round display like that that midfield battle was Massive between between him, Wright, and uh, and the two Lavi boys, Gilchrist and and um, and Jerry Smith. Yeah, Paul, Paul Gilchrist uh, probably should have got a nomination too. I thought he had an excellent game. Yeah, covered an awful lot of ground, linked up the play. Like he put in a hell of a shift. Yeah, very impressed with his athleticism all around the field. And John Fitzpatrick scored five points for them from play. So wow, great scoring from midfield. Oh, One of the highest scoring midfielders in the competition. But the two that we've gone for are Garrod McKiernan, who. Man of the match performance in in probably the big game of the weekend at the time that we thought was the two heavyweights in the quarterfinals finished with eight points I think it was or seven or eight points anyway he he finished with um but his overall display I thought was 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 just commanding um and then David Wright is the second midfielder from Castle Rahan who midfield marks driving forward simple stuff with the ball but all was perfect. You yeah, know. a few Casaran people have nominated Porrick Smith, so he's probably unlucky to lose out to his teammate there. Maybe Porrick could have got the nod, but there wasn't much in it. Porrick did keep, kick a couple of good points, but I suppose David's uh, involvement in the goal maybe just swayed for him. Yeah, yeah, Todd. It, it, just overall, I think we're starting to see David Wright is, is a county senior player when he's at his best, and I think we're starting to see him come to that level again. Yeah, well, he's been playing exceptionally well, but they're, they're, they're a very combative midfield pair, and they're mobile, and they're they're big, both, both over six foot, and uh, can get around the field. Can feel the ball, can kick scores, can tick a lot of boxes. And again, as we said earlier on, that's essentially a new pair in there because they weren't available for the final last year. Very true. 
Into the half-forward line of the Proactive Risk Control Team of the Week, the nominations are Jamie Smith from Killing Care, Roy Donahue, Knockbride, Connor Madden, Gauna, Torlock Mooney from Red Hills, Sean McGill, Mullahorn, Sean Bournes, Knockbride, Quivian O'Reilly, Butler's Bridge, Sean Gaffney, Kill, Barry Riley, Kingscourt, Cormac Brides, Red Hills, Enda Henry from Beltorbet, and Ben McIntyre from Kill Shamrocks. A lot of names there. Give us what you know. What should I, I know Ben McIntyre scored 1 4 from play. It was one of the standard players in that game. A big win for Kill. Their second big win of the competition. And a player that's that's really making a name for himself uh, in this junior championship. Cormac Brides kicked five points from play. They were all, all really good quality scores on the run. Um, Roy Donahue as well he got a goal early on and was influential for an upright. Uh, who else did you name there? So many good players like Barry Riley. We talked about him at length earlier on. Nothing more needs to be said there. Like he was just so good. Torlock Mooney. Torlock Mooney. Finish with. He he finished with one eight, uh, but like his his point was exactly the same as Mars Fitzgerald that sideline in Central Stadium in two thousand one. It was a free. That was the only thing. So maybe it was a yard closer, but it was. But, but he Morris, had to move the he had to move the flag out of his way on the forty five. Yeah. So that'll tell you where it was. Yeah. And and at that stage, Morris Gerald did steal maybe half a yard anyway on 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 the line. Now, not to take away from it in any way at all, but it it was just Torlick Mooney done that as disease as well. Like yeah. Torlick Mooney is is uh, football wise up there with the best in the county. Without you know, a doubt, he absolutely phenomenal performance. Won it. I thought Sean McGill deserved his nomination. Um, that was sent in for him for his work rate for his just a lot a lot of. Busy, busy work around the middle of the field. Breaking balls, simple, you know, one-twos, simple passes. I just thought he he was an instrumental part of Mullerhorn's middle toward. Um, Quivian O'Reilly apparently put in a, a, a phenomenal second half display where Butler's Bridge looked dead and buried by all accounts and uh, Quivian turned on the, the juice. But Jamie Smith, I understand, was excellent for killing yeah, I, think, I think he got five or four points from play. Right. So in, in, a, in a tight what, game. What was it, 16 scores? 16-14, I think 16-14. it was. So like that's, that'll tell you, four points from play in a game like that is absolutely invaluable. Mm. The three players we went for, though, um, were at wing half forward, the number 10 goes to Connor Madden. The goal gets you in yeah. <laughs> any week. Like for, for for the moment of brilliance that was Connor Madden's goal. And I think he had a very good game all around he as had, well. That was the highlight of it, but he yeah. had a very good game all around. He he still shows for a a giant of a man, he's so quick, so agile. He can he can dummy by lads left and right. Like how many times do we see him driving out with the ball from the half back line? Getting it up 60, 70 yards up the other end of the field, you know, it and, and he had to do that. He he was he he was that necessary for Gowna to stay in the game against Crushalos. So I thought I thought a well deserved scoring one two on the evening, but his overall contribution was more than one two. Mm. Uh, centre half forward Torlick Mooney from Red Hills as we mentioned 1-8 and just gave an exhibition of kicking long range kicking in particular uh, left foot and right foot and then Barry Riley from Kingscourt with his 11 points 8 frees 3 of them being 45s um, for, gets the uh, the nod at number 12 so that's the half forward line and the full forward line then the nominations on the proactive risk control team of the week there's a lot here Paul um, Ben Connerty from Den uh, Sean Dunahoo from Den, Ushin Pearson, Gauna, Luke Gilson and Bailey Borough, Cormac O'Reilly, Mullahorn, Ryan O'Neill, Kildallan, Adrian Cole, 
Rammer, Patrick Lynch, Crushalot, Shane Tierney, Lavi, Niall McDermott, Balanya, Paul O'Connor, Calvin Gill, Killian Smith, Bally McHugh, Mark Kiernan, Bally McHugh, and Martin Connerty, Bally Hayes. Where do you even start? <sighs> There's just so many, like, and we're going to end up with lads that's, that got a freakishly high tally that aren't going to make this, and that's unfortunate. Yeah. But uh, you could talk all day about those lads, like, every one of those fellas. Uh, led the line for their teams and, and played brilliantly over the weekend. Well, I'm going to test your, your your memories because at this stage you've you've read through most of the match reports. Martin Connolly finished with three seven. I think I'm right in saying. Yeah. Uh, Mark Kiernan one one seven maybe one seven one eight. Yeah, it was a big big number anyway. Killian Smith probably five or six. Yeah. Um, Paul O'Connor hit three points from play, but for me. He deserves his nomination here for his his support. So as in the, the the role he played on that inside line, like there was three goal chances for Calvin Gates that were all runners off Paul O'Connor's shoulder, ball into Paul O'Connor. He lays it off to the runner, and and you create a goal chance. And I think he laid off the ball to Robert Maloney Derham for his goal. Um, um, Niall McDermott, what did he finish with? Finished with ten points. Uh, I think five frees, four from play, and a mark. And set up so much, he was laying ball off left, right, and centre. One of his best performances for Balnea, and that's a very high benchmark. Yeah, Shane Tierney from Lavi finished with five points from open play, with Endo Connell breathing down his throat. Yeah, you know it has to be added. Patrick Lynch won five, uh, four of them coming from freeze, but he had Ryan McGahan breathing out his throat, who yeah. was you know in phenomenal form. Ryan O'Neill finished with an unbelievable tally, two eleven. Eleven. Oh my God, two eleven! Like now, it comes possibly with the caveat that it was Mahara, but two eleven is still two eleven. You know, brilliant display there. Cormac O'Reilly nine points against Kingscourt in the Senior Championship quarterfinal for a twenty-year-old. Only two of them coming from free. Seven points from open play, and Paddy Mead is marking you. Yeah. You know, uh, Ben Connolly. Don't know what he finished with. Yeah, I think he got three points in the second half. One attacking mark stepped up well after a quiet first half. Uh, and helped get then over the line against Munchukonacht. Very good. Sean Donoghue. I think he was more coming out the field. Yeah, though. Sean Donoghue was playing corner forward, but he was more playing a more provider role, showing for ball. And again, was very good against that Brighton and very good again on Friday night. I think Oshin Pearson finished with two goals and three. One of them was a free and, and, and two phenomenal goals. Right-footed goal where people were saying that was just for standing, but Oshin showed that he can actually swing it. Oh, unbelievable, yeah. Oshin Pierce is playing out of his skin. And then that point, the one underneath the stand kicking into the flaggy bottom end where he looked like he was solo with the left foot running towards the sideline of the stand and then turned back in and with the outside of the left boot from the 45 metre line, sailed it over. Like, he's, just a great, he's a great player to watch. Yeah, Exciting, very exciting. And uh, finally then Luke Gilson in one ten. Luke Gilson. Unbelievable. Kept his team in it when it was going against them. They were 11-6 down at that stage. Five or six points were free from Gilson. He ended up at 110, including a sideline ball. He fisted a point, he kicked another from play, uh, and he scored a penalty. And he set up the goal. He laid the ball across for, for Clark and to Pam and into the net. So, phenomenal stuff. Another man that's, that is left off the list by accident is Conal Sheridan, who scored 2-7, which oh, most Jesus. of that came from play. I think he got one or two frees and an attacking mark. I don't know what that man has to do to get on the team of the week because he's just unfortunate. He's not going to make it this week. Oh, but it's just such a competition. But Luke or Conal has turned in an extraordinarily 
extraordinarily good uh, intermediate Champion. campaign. It's a pity for him that they're out because he was heading for a record-breaking tally. Yeah, he was. So the tree we've went for, and this is going to be controversial. It doesn't matter what tree we pick. It's going to be controversial anyway. But we've gone for Luke Gilsonen from Baileyborough at 13, Niall McDermott from Balignan at 14, and Cormac O'Reilly from Mullahorn at 15. So, um, I, again... Like when you're when you're talking about a three seven and a two seven and a two eleven, all not making the team, uh, you know you, you you have to question yourself. But we've we've made the call and the proactive risk control team of the week controversial in week five. But I think I think we can stand over and argue with anybody on it. Ah yeah, I think look, you could have easily had Connerty, Ryan O'Neill, Conal Sheridan. Very easy. That could have been the full four line. It's just so so difficult. You have to bring in other factors like. Uh, maybe some players were match winners on the day or you're, you're marking a particularly tough defender or something yeah. like that. But uh, yeah, anyone who wants to make a case for all the other lads, fire away because you're right. <laughs> <laughs> you are, you are. So the proactive risk control uh, team of the week for week five is Mark Fagan in goals from Den, a full back line of Shani O'Connor from Coot Hill, Danny Cusick from Lavi and David Shelby from Crushalaw. The half back line is Cormac Daly from Castle Rahan, Chris Conroy from Lavi and Philip Tinley from the Kingscourt Stars. In the middle of the field, it's Garod McKiernan, Calvin Gales and David Wright from Castle Rahan. Jeez, could we see them going head-to-head in the county final? Uh, Half-forward line then is Connor Madden from Gownip, Torlock Mooney from Red Hills and Barry Riley from Kingscourt and a full-forward line of Luke Gilson and Baileyborough, Niall McDermott from Balignan and Cormac O'Reilly from Mullahorn. Um, I, I tell you what, i take that team any day. Absolutely. I like that team. <laughs> that like team would tighten the Ulster Championship. So, folks, very important that you get in contact with us now. Let us know uh, who you think of those 15 should be the proactive risk control player of the week. Uh, we'd be delighted, delighted to hear from you on that one. It's uh, get in contact on email. Wearecavan at gmail.com seems to be a very popular way. Or you can get in contact on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. It's at Wearecavan. Um, don't forget to check out our podcasts later in the week on the Die Hard service. That's on patreon.com forward slash Wearecavan where we'll be previewing the ladies senior and junior football championship finals coming up this Saturday and we'll also be looking ahead to the quarterfinals of the Hotel Kilmer Intermediate Championship the final group stage games of the Cullis Craft Bakery Junior Championship and we have a reaction from managers and players from last weekend's games um, with live with interviews that were conducted straight after the game all on Die Hard Service over on patreon.com forward slash we are Calvin. Paul go get some sleep we've got a busy week <laughs> looking forward to it